The world is a new place, and we're all making adjustments. It moves faster and changes direction more frequently than ever before. People feel stuck, unfulfilled, and lost in their lives. I hear this all too often. Where are the answers? Someone please just give me the answers. Well, what if I told you the answers are finally here? My name is Scott McDonald, and I was once just like you. Join me on my process of personal development, pathway of success, and pursuit of happiness. For you see, my job isn't just to ask questions. My job isn't to just listen. My job is to ensure what happened to me does not happen to you. This is Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast. I am Scott McDonald, your host. I am rejoined today by former NCAA coach Dan Lichterman. Dan, it's great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me again. Must, must have done all right on the first couple. Yeah, that 20-year 20, uh, 20 no-cut contract still in the mail, by the way. <laughs> so uh, we're going to continue on from, uh, let, from our mini-series of Let's Go Micro. We're still in the recruiting process, and today we're going to talk about uh, official and unofficial visits. So let's uh, go through like the definition and what, what differentiates between the two. So uh, an unofficial visit is where you pay your own way to go to campus, um, you know, uh, you basically you set up everything through yourself, um, and you it, it's on your own dime. Um, and then on an official visit is where a school can, you know, fly you in, bring you in, pay for uh, you to stay there, pay for you to eat, pay for um, you know everything as you're there, um, you know. Typically, or, well, you, you only get five official visits, um, you know, where you can have visit five different schools on, on their dime. Uh, unofficial visits are unlimited. Um, again, none of it, right, uh, with the newer rules, uh, none of this can start until June 15th uh, going into your grade 11 year. And for the official visits, how are they keeping track? Is that on the honor system or is that like paperwork that's involved? Uh, there's paperwork involved. So you have to, uh, as a coach, you have to submit uh, paperwork that, you know, so-and-so came on their official visit and it goes into the NCAA database. And, um, you know, obviously if you all of a sudden, hey, this kid had nine visits, uh, you know, then there's some red flags and some violations and things like that. So let's talk about the unofficial visit. What does that consist of? At what stage in the recruiting process does that happen? And what's to be expected from the, uh, from the family? You know, I, I would say as, as soon as you can. And, and uh, you know, that summer in, in between your grade 10, grade 11 year, uh, go take some unofficial visits. Um, you know, you know, there's a lot of times there's some schools in a cluster. And if you're, you know, say you're going on, on the East coast or going to Boston, you know, get, get around to, to some of those schools. You know, I, I think the key is, is to get in contact with the coach and make sure that they're going to be there. 
uh, and schedule a time to, to meet with them. Say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to be on, I'm planning to be on your campus at, on this date or around these dates, you know, when within there or, are you free to meet and, and you can, you know, set it up that way. Um, or of course, you even go through your, your club coach, uh, of, you know, making sure that they're finding out when, when is, when are these coaches going to be around? Cause summer, you know, is, is heavy recruiting time for coaches. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the coaches are doing, uh, whether it's USA hockey or hockey Canada development camps, um and also every 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 once in a while a coach likes to take a day off so especially in the, in the summer so take take a day to golf or take a day to spend with your family or uh, maybe after this uh COVID-19 stuff you might be sick of your family so uh you know might, might be <laughs> no a little heavier <laughs> might be a little heavier on on the recruiting trail uh once once all this settles down but um you know so just make sure that uh, you know but in in general, like if, if a staff has three people, only two people from a staff can be on the road at the same time recruiting. Um, you know, so typically there's one person back unless they're, they're going on holiday somewhere. And for the head coach, especially because everyone wants to be seen with the boss, uh, how realistic is it for, you know, the head coach to be readily available for all these prospects who are requesting uh, his or her time? I think everyone's different. Um, you know, I know in my time as a head coach, I, uh, we, we made a lot of time for those. I, I made sure we made a lot of time for those because uh, at Maine, we didn't have necessarily the budget to, to bring, a lot of kids in on official visits. So if, if a kid was going to visit us unofficially, uh, we took that pretty seriously, especially if it was a kid that, that we had on our list and in our mix. And, um, you know, so we really tried to try to make sure that we had time for those. Okay. Now are these unofficial visits are, if you can get, if eight are coming on the same weekend, do you tend to have them come in a group and do something all together? Do you separate it in one hour time slots? Like is it for you, how did you handle that? For me, I, I always preferred individual stuff compared to group stuff because the, the, to me, the recruiting process is, is very individual from, from both sides, right? Like, um, you know, the two kids who, who even are best friends, they need to, they're different people. They need to be recruited differently. Um, and, and I always, I didn't want one person to be swayed by, by the majority of the group either way. Right. Like, um, so I, I always, I always recommend, you know, it's an, it's an individual thing. Don't, don't like, I think it's way harder in a bigger group um, because you're not just getting your own experience. You're, you're having that experience with others and your opinions and your ideas and your wants and needs can sometimes can either get overshadowed or, or get swayed in a, in a direction that, that maybe it wouldn't go if it was individual. So um, both either positive or negative. Right. Um, so I, I, I would strongly recommend to do that as an individual family process. And what would that visit consist of for an unofficial visit for, with a one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, I mean, typic, 
typically, and it can go a couple of ways. Sometimes uh, families would do like the, the campus tour through the admissions department, or you know, if if we were around, one, one someone from our staff could could give the campus tour. Um, you know, then you're you're doing a tour of the facility or the locker room, weight room, any uh, your training room, any other athletic kind of facilities that that your team utilizes. And then, and then a little sit down with, uh, with the coaches. What was always like, uh, you know, these kids that come down, there's a wow factor when they come on these campuses. What was always the, the biggest wow for them? Was it the training facility? Was it just the, you know, the, the look of the campus? Is it the dressing room, the arena that they're playing in? What, what was that consistent wow factor when you were, uh, with, with you Maine know, again, and Minnesota? I, I I, I think for every kid is different, right? Like, um, you know, uh, again, some, some kids, you know, they can walk on a campus and geez, I really like the feel of this campus, you know, whether it's, you know, it's a nice small confined campus or, Hey, geez, I really love the, the, the hustle, uh, uh, kind of the bigger campus within the city or, or whatever. And, um, you know, again, every locker room is a little bit different. Um, it's, it's set up a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I think very rarely will you walk into a college dressing room and have it be messy. Um, so like, I mean, we always, uh, preach to, to even during season, you know, our, our kids knew that our locker room, it was, you know, kind of think about like you're selling a house, um, you know, you're, you're set up for show, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's how we, we kept our locker room. And I, and I would say probably 99% of the programs keep their locker rooms that way, if not 100%. Um, you know, because we always looked at it like you never know who's coming in here, who's going to be in the building, and who we're going to need to give a tour to when. So we, we always tried to, to remain presentable within our office, within uh, our locker room, uh, any, any, of, any of the areas that that we wanted to, to show. So, um, you know, but again, every, every kid's got a little different, uh, hot button, right? So some kids, it's the locker room, some kids, it's the training room, some kids, it's the weight room, some kids, it's the campus. Um, you just, you just never, never know what that hot button's going to be. And for the, the ones who are listening in that are uh, considering, you know, doing um, some tours this summer, uh, provided that this COVID-19, uh, you know, gets out of here sooner rather than later, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that us as a whole in the world can really give it a, a good boot in its ass and we'll get over this like we've always have. Uh, what, what's your advice to the families who are saying, okay, we're going to go away for the weekend and we want to do a bunch of tours. Like what's your advice to them who are trying to get three, four tours in? Yeah. Again, just set up your times, right? Like uh, use your time wisely um, and make sure you're, you're talking to the people that, you know, the, the coaches. And again, like, like you said, everyone wants that time with, with the head coach. Um, some pro again, every program set up a little bit, a little bit differently, right. Where, uh, sometimes you, you're just going through the, the assistant coach who's a recruiting coordinator. Some, um, some staffs, you know, the two assistants will share those duties. And, and so, you know, summer, again, it's always a, a, a bit of a tricky time because, you know, people are kind of in and out in, in the summer. 
Um, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think trying to get that time with, with the head coach. And again, it's a lot easier when it's a program that has already been, you know, calling you and emailing you and, and says, and, and what I know what we did quite a bit, uh, both places I worked was, Hey, you know what, let's set up an unofficial visit where you guys can come down for the day or the afternoon or the morning or, or whatever. And we can just take a couple hours and, and show you around and let you get a feel and, and let you learn about our, our program and our staff. Yeah, and I, in my experience uh, for setting up some of the programs that we've done through OHC, uh, there are some coaches that I've even talked to who say, I only work Monday to Thursday after the season. I only work, do Monday to Friday, and by Friday at noon, I'm gone. And I and some some of the the coaches are just weekends are off limits when it comes to the summertime after the season, um, you know. And sometimes the whole staff that is that way because they need that uh, work life balance. And uh, yeah, again, really have to be every flexible. yeah, every program is in a, a different situation, right? Like. Um, you know, it just, it, it depends. I mean, that, uh, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I mean, like we, we didn't have, we didn't have the luxury of taking too much time off, uh, just because we needed to, to work, I, I think even harder to get our program back to, to that level that it needed to be at, at the same point. Um, you know, again, like you, you don't know, you know, people's family situation, you know, when I was at Maine, I had two young assistants. I had two young kids where we weren't like I was around. I was, I lived five minutes from, from the office. So uh, it was pretty easy to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going over there for a little bit and, and whatever, um, you know, but again, like every, every, everyone's situation is different. So it's just for you going to visit, it's understanding what, what that coach's or that staff's schedule is and, and what, they, what they're willing to do. Talk to me about the official visit. Obviously, it's a, it's a little more jacked up. Uh, what, what will that consist of now? Are we talking uh, there's going to be more prospects uh, there that weekend? Is there going to be uh, you know, some skill work involved? Is there going to be a more interact, interaction between the, the prospect, the coaching staff, uh, maybe some of the player personnel, uh, how much more in depth is an official visit? Yeah. So on, a, on an official visit, it's, it's way different. And again, like every program uh, is going to do it a little differently. Some, some programs will bring, you know, a, a handful of kids in on the, on the same weekend. Uh, if they have something big going on, um, you know, typically it's about coming to a game um, you know, we always would have our, uh, our recruit come in and they'd stay with, with one of our players, um, you know, whether it was in the dorm or in their apartment or, or whatever, um, you know, so they're more, it's more time with the team than it is necessarily hanging out with the coaches. Um, you know, but uh, again, there's the tours and meeting with, you know, if there's an academic advisor and, and some of those other kind of kind of key people that that are the support network around the program, so they really get a feel of of what it's going to be like. I always like to also bring kids in to watch a practice, and and that's another thing too. Like if you're doing unofficial visits and you you can do it during the season, 
I always recommend for kids to, to see a practice because at, at the college level, you're going to practice 120 times and play 34, right? So that's great. You went and saw a game, but what, what's going on at practice? What, you know, what's the coach like at practice? How's the co- how do the coaches interact uh, with the players at practice? Is it, you know, a, a learning environment? Is it, you know, is the coach yelling and screaming? Is it, is it what, what you want? Uh, some people like to be yelled and screamed at as athletes. I, you know, um, and again, as coaches, sometimes you have to, you know, all of a sudden, like you're not a yeller and a screamer and there's a day you got to recruit there and then you got to yell and scream. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, I would always recommend being able to watch, a, watch a practice. I know some of the, you know, some of the recruit stuff, you know, they have now, uh, which we didn't have coach of these prospect days and, and things like that where, where kids come in and, and they do like a mini camp or, or whatever. So I don't know a ton about that stuff. Um, but, but typically on your visits, uh, you're not, you're not like on an official visit, you're not coming and skating with, with the team. What about the, uh, the experience that the school has to offer? I know that there's some schools, um, you know, depending on the time of year, there might be uh, the ability for the, the prospect to attend like a football game or, or basketball game or something that's going on campus. We, this is stuff like that included when it comes to uh, official visit. Again, I, I know every school is different, but was that something at Minnesota or Maine that you guys would uh, help to provide a, a, an on-campus experience outside of the sport? So it was more of a student experience? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and again, it depended on when, when kids were coming in or, you know, like, uh, what at Maine and Minnesota state too, are, are, you know, like the men's hockey was, was a pretty, was a, was probably a bigger event than football at, at either of those schools. So, um, you know, if, if it was a weekend when, when both teams were at home, um, you know, a kid would come in and, and come to the women's game and then go to the men's game with some players from your team, uh, things like that. Again, like every every program's a little bit different. Every kid's a little bit different in what they want to see and what they want to do and what they want to partake in. And and you know, we were we were, I think we always tried to be sensitive to that on on our official visits as well. Of you know, so, some kids wanted to be there for a Saturday night and and see what campus life was like. Um, I always found. It's it's kind of like a you know your kids get get very few days off when when they're uh, when they're playing college hockey so you know we try to be sensitive and and taking away a kid Saturday night to host a recruit um, you know but you, you kind of have your go to kids that uh, you know are, are more comfortable doing that or want to do that or enjoy doing that and enjoy helping helping sell the program. Um, you know, but, but it can also, d- depending on, on what happens sometimes on those official visits, like I've, I've had kids in, in both situations that afterwards, you know, turned us down and said, you know what, I, I, I really didn't love my official visit. I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable. And, you know, so um, that's, that's also goes to making sure like you have the culture you want in, in your program. Right. And and making sure that, you know, you're working with the, your current athletes. I know Churchy talked about this, uh, you know, having that that welcoming atmosphere within 
within your program that that are kind of an extension of you as a coach that are selling um you know what what you're selling too now tell me if i'm right or wrong on this so unofficial visit the the, the university contacts a coach the coach contacts the family and the prospect says there's a, there's an interest here it might be a good idea to go down for an unofficial visit because this is now the early stage. Is that correct? Is that, is that how that would go early it, it, stage it for unofficial? Or, or um, I think now the, like you can starting your grade 10 year, once you start grade 10, if I'm not mistaken. And so like you've already been in contact with, with a coach, um, what's the college coach, right? So, um, you know, so now coaches are like, hey, you know what? Like, because I, and I don't know for sure right now the, the timing of, of official, I think official visits and unofficial visits can start at the same time now or in the same time frame. I might be mistaken on that, but. I, I know, um, I know for hockey, it's uh, June, June 15th, the communication can open uh, for the going into the dressing room. It is August 15th. Uh, going into your grade 11 year okay so that would still be the same timing actually now that i think about it so june 15th uh if you're in grade 10 and it's june 15th you can start talking to them and then by august 15th you're eligible to be shown the dressing room and all those personal amenities and to actually you know make it a recruiting experience yeah rather than just a a walkthrough of the, the general campus experience. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you'd have to, but between that June 15th and August 15th time with schools that are in contact with you, Hey, you know what? I'd like to set up an unofficial visit to, to come and, and check things out for August 15th or later. So, um, you know, it's, it's understanding those timelines, but you'll, you'll have that, that couple month window, where you are talking to, to coaches and you can kind of figure out, Hey, you know what? I'm talking to three schools that are kind of in the same area. Let's go, let's go take a few days and, and drive through there in late August. Now is the official visit, the invitation by the school saying, Hey, we're really interested in you. Let's get serious. Um, and is that also the opportunity for the school to see what the behavior of of the prospect is like at the same time before making uh, more serious commitments. Yeah. I mean, I think most schools, like if you're, if you're bringing a kid in on an official visit, like you're, you're pretty certain about that kid and, and you're thinking you're going to, going to offer that kid something. Um, you know, again, some of that is going to depend on, on a school's recruiting budget. Um, some schools have have a budget to say, you know, I need to bring this kid in before I'm sure. But a lot of times you'll go meet up with that kid, like where wherever they are, wherever they live, and have that that sit down conversation. Um, you know, I always liked I always liked when when you're able to have that sit down with the kid and their and their parents at the same time. Um, you know, and, and again, some kids act differently around their parents. I always like to see the interaction between a, a child and their parent. Um, 
just to, you can, I think you can tell a lot in, in those situations of, of how they treat their parents, um, how they speak to their parents. I think also how the parent speaks of the child. Do they, do they talk about the child like they're not there? Or, you know, do, do they bring that child into an adult conversation, right? Um, and, and I think also in, in those situations, it was always nice to see, you know, does this kid speak for themselves or do they wait for their parents to speak for them? Um, that to me, that says a lot about, about a kid and, and where they're at mentally, emotionally, all those kinds of things. And, and if they're ready for, for some of the stuff that they're going to be facing, um, you know, and just being able to, and, and again, as you go through the process, um, you know, just when, when you're in person, there's, you can tell different body language stuff, um, you know, just about like, as you, as you say something, you know, you can see that facial reaction, you can see the body posture, you can see, um, are they, are they engaged where, you know, uh, on a phone call, it's a lot harder to, to, to gauge those, those things. You know, I'm talking to, uh, many coaches over the last year who said the athlete was the type of player we were looking for. They were part of the development program that we knew had great pedig pedigree, got to the visit socially, emotionally, uh, mentally just was not there. And after that visit, the family was excited for that commitment. The school was not and then there's the conversation of, hey, this is not going to work out. And it gets to the point, too, that I've, I've also been told where athletes, something as simple as not sitting up in the chair when you have the sit-down meeting goes a long way with some coaches. They find it as a, a thing as disrespectful, which absolutely something as simple as that is the difference between you getting to where you want to go and to you being you feeling like your heart was broken, but it was actually you that self-sabotaged yourself and caused that, that heartache and that pain for yourself. Yeah. Again, like it, it comes down to, um, you know, having that maturity level to, to go into a room and be able to converse with what, you know, your coaches are adults. They're, they're not your peers. Um, you know, being able to have a conversation when someone asks you a question, it's not just, Yeah or no, or eh, I don't know, you know, like having something to say, uh, elaborate on, on an answer when, when someone asks you a question, um, you know, <laughs> I think you, you end up finding this with, I think when, when you're talking to a lot of coaches, you'll ask a question and you'll get like things going in all sorts of different tangents for a couple of minutes. You know, that's just a thing that I think coaches learn in this process is that if you're asked a question, it's, you know, and it, you know, it's just a lot easier for some kids and some adults than, than it is for others. Um, but that body language and, and also just like how you're dressed, how you're presenting yourself, you know, are you going to meet a coach and it looks like you just rolled out of bed? Um, are you going to meet a coach at whatever university and you walk in wearing a t-shirt or a hoodie of their rival? You know, I've had that happen. 
Um, you know, that, that didn't give me a great feeling of the kid I was recruiting. Um, you know, again, how you sit, like, are you engaged? Uh, are you busy checking your phone or do you turn your phone off? Does your, is your phone buzzing constantly? Um, you know, just silence your phone or frankly, if you go, if you get the opportunity to go in and meet with the collegiate head coach and that's what you want to do, turn your phone off. Like the, I don't know much about Snapchat, but I don't think they disappear when your phone is off. It's just after you look at them. Is that right? I, I don't correct. Know. I don't, yeah, I don't know how that works, but because um, <laughs> I'm a hundred, but it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you the one-on-one course <laughs> after this. I'll, I'll ask my kids. Um, you know, but uh, be engaged. You know, just be present there for for the time that you're there. Have a list of questions. That, that you want to ask, um, you know, don't just ask about, Hey, what stuff do we get? Uh, ask, Hey, how does practice, like, how do you organize your practices? Do you do positional skill development? Do you do skill development? Um, you know, cause, cause really within, within your week of, of practice, you'll kind of have a, a breakdown and a flow of, of how stuff works. And, and again, every program is going to be different in, in how they do that. Um, but, but ask, ask what kind of academic support do we get? Cause the two schools that I worked at were vastly different in, in their academic support. Um, you know, what about our trainer? Is our trainer a full-time person or is it a student intern? Um, you know what other what about our strength coach how often are we in the weight room what's what's you know what's our what's a typical day look like uh all those kinds of things that are outside of of hockey and then even ask hey you know what like if you're a defenseman how many defensemen do you carry how you know how do you look at how do people earn especially freshmen coming in how do you earn playing time it's not what playing time am i going to get it's how do I how do I earn playing time, right? So I, I think too the way that you phrase questions, and I think I said this uh, last time we talked too, like you know coming in, you know, hey, uh, what number can I get? Like if if you're basing your decision on where you go to school because they have your number available, you know, I know for me not the right fit. Um, you know, actually, I was, and probably if you talk to to some of my former players when, when I got to Maine, we were with uh, Nike Bauer uh, as our equipment supplier. And so we had kids who were wearing like number 98 and 89 and, and stuff like that. And, <clears throat> and then my second year we switched to uh, CCM. And so we had to get all new uniforms. And so, I just I made a rule. We had one one uh, one kid who was a senior who was wearing 44. I said, okay, that's the highest we're going. Like everyone else who's above that, you got to pick a new number below that. It was just something, um, unless there was a, a you know a great reason for you know you wanted 91 because you know your grandma is 90, you know just turned 91 years old and wasn't expected to live to 91 or whatever, then, you know, I'd be willing to listen to that. But, um, you know, I, I think taking, you got to take your individual wants out of some of it and figure out how, how can I fit in and how can I help this program? 
um, instead of it being you going to the program and say, you, you know, I, I'm here. What are you going to do to wow me? I think that's one thing that the prospect and the family of the prospect get confused by. The program doesn't owe them anything. So when you're walking in there, don't feel like this is, and as we were talking earlier, and if you're not old enough to to know this, and you probably aren't, because I like to reference a lot of mo- <clears throat> a lot of movies, because I'm a buff of, on them. But I was just watching the movie Johnny Be Good with Michael Anthony Hall, and it was a star high school football quarterback being paraded around all these campuses and being given the cars and the parties and everything. And that's not what it's like. It's like going for there's two parties involved, the prospect and the program, and they have to make sure it's a good fit. So it has to be as professional as possible. And I think a lot of families sometimes feel, well, there's they're interested in us. You have to understand that we can help you more than you can help us. And that is so the wrong attitude to have. Yeah. Well, and you got to realize too, like, you know, if, if the school is looking for one one defenseman and you're a defenseman, you're not the only defenseman they're recruiting, right? They're they're at least recruiting four other people, if not more, for that one spot. And they're trying to figure out what's the best fit. And um, you know, uh, from there, you know, if let's say they're they're looking at ten people for one spot, they're gonna rank. Hey, you know what? We'd really love this kid first. And this kid second, or you know what, maybe if it's, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll take either of these two who's ever ready to commit first, right? And so, and, and that to me, that like, I don't think people should look at it as a pressure thing. Some, sometimes, you know, I, I know some coaches in the past and two of them that I know who have done this aren't, are, are no longer coaching in the NCAA, but um, you know, where kids have come on campus and they said, here's your offer. You got 48 hours to, to decide. I, I personally never did that to a kid. I, I never felt um, comfortable doing that because I, it, it wasn't, I, I would say to a kid, Hey, you know what, we're, we have four other kids that we're looking at for this spot. And, you know, here's, you know, we're either, Hey, we got one kid ahead of you or, you know what, if you're a top kid, you're the one we want in that spot. So if another kid's talking to me and they're ready to commit, I'll let you know because we'd rather have you. But, you know, again, everyone's got to operate on, on their own timeline too. How much of a downer is it when you finally get that prospect you've just been dying to, to have that official visit with and then they get there? And what we talked about socially, emotionally, mentally, it's not there. And you, you because of the integrity you have, you just say, you know what, pass. How much, how, how much is that a, does that affect a, a coaching staff's uh, morale, I'll say? You know what, I, I think it's, it's one of those, like I'd, I'd rather find out before they're on our campus because odds are, or, or I'd rather find out before they're part of our our program uh, because odds are if they get there and they're part of your program and you didn't have that good feeling that it's they're they're not going to be a fit and they're going to be gone in a year anyway. So skip, skip that step in between 
and and cut the ties there. I know one like, and again, every program looked at it looks at stuff differently. And it, like at at Maine, when I was there, we didn't have you know the the biggest recruiting budget. So if we were bringing a kid in, like if we're flying a kid from from British Columbia or, or Calgary uh, to come in on an official visit, we had to be pretty sure they were they were going to commit to us or or they have a, a lot of times now what happens with official visits it's kids who have already committed to your program okay hey let's bring you bring you in on your visit now which is a little little bit backwards and that's why it's it's nice that these dates have been pushed back these commitment dates and, and contact dates even um you know because you're uh, for a kid your mentality when you're 14 I think is way different than when you're 17 you know you just you know a lot more about yourself uh, and and what you want when when you're 17 as, as opposed to 14 um, so I, I think that's a, a, a positive in, in what's happened in recruiting um, but you know again every every program's different some some programs uh, have the ability to bring a kid in and then figure out if if that's who they want uh, we didn't have that luxury when I was at Maine. It was, you know, if uh, I would say kids we brought in on an official visit, uh, 95% of the time we were, we, that kid committed to us. Um, so we had to be pretty sure before we, before we put out the, the money to bring that kid in. Um, so that's another thing to understand uh, as a family, if, you know, understand where some of these programs are at and, uh, don't don't waste their time if you're not interested or you know like some of these programs don't have the dollars to to throw around well i'll just go take my official visit anyway even though i know i'm i'm gonna go to this other school and well, also and also for our listeners we're not here just to say to pick on maine because this is going back about 11 or 12 years ago yeah no but, exactly but um you know i i think that's important for prospects to understand families to understand as well and yeah this is well, something, and it, i mean th- it's, it's a it's a thing too like when you just you know trying to you know your travel to bangor maine is different than going to boston well there's no, there's a lot more involved in that and not only that it was something that you you had uh, mentioned to me uh, a little while ago that it wasn't the mo- the scholarship money wasn't the issue it's the budget that's allotted to the programs because let's put it this way some programs can have and and sometimes you look at a school and say well that's a great school they look they got that football program that you know that makes all that money you know the all, all the and they have to share that around and yeah for the scholarships for sure and the football program may have millions and millions of dollars and then it's a very popular school but there's certain athletic programs who are allotted only minimal budgets and that's something I think yeah. that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, there'd be, honestly, there'd be some programs too that would surprise you uh, that they actually have. The, there were two schools back, and again, this is 11 years ago, uh, there were two schools in Hockey East that actually had smaller recruiting budgets than, than Maine did, um, you know, that always finished higher than us in the standings. Um, you know, and again, like as a coach, whatever situation you're in, you figure out ways to make it work. And obviously with, you know, technology now, um, you know, back then games weren't being live streamed. 
Um, you know, if like, uh, I mean, we ended up with a kid from Switzerland um, and it was just through a connection that one of our assistant coaches had and we were able to, to get game tape on the kid and watch. But now like any European kid, you know, you, you can find their game online. You can, you can figure it out. You can see the kid. Um, and, and that's the thing that, that kids who are listening to this have to remember. You're not just competing with kids on your team or kids in your league or kids in your province or state or kids in North America. There's kids all over the world that, that want that scholarship. So, you know, what, what are you doing to, to separate yourself, not just as a hockey player, but as, as a person too, right? So um, it's, it, you know, you, you got to understand there's a lot of people, yeah, I'm a good player on my team or I'm a good player in my league, but uh, are you one of the top in Ontario? Are you one of the top in Canada or the U.S.? Are you... You know, how do you, you, you have no idea how you can compare to these European kids too. And the other thing is too, don't rely on your stats either. Cause I haven't had one NCAA or U sports coach call me saying how many goals, how many assists, how many home runs, how many RBIs, how many touchdowns. It, it, it's never about that. That's the easy stuff. And they can pick out in the first five minutes of any game to know who the best athletes are and who the best, you know, players are on the team. Yeah. It, it's the it's the extra it's the student and it's the person that matters a lot more when making that decision yeah well it's it's funny i just uh, with uh, with the boys team i coach we're we're just going through that with trying to get guys to to junior programs and you know i had one guy we we put up our, our end of the season stats and one guy sent me a message he's like hey like i i had uh you know, I, I think I had a few more assists than, than you had me down for. I said, listen, man, like that's not going to make, make or break you. Like if, if it says 22 or 25, that, that, that's not. And actually there, I, this year with, with guys that in talking to junior coaches about our, our boys, I only have one, one person ask me for their stats out of, you know, 15 different junior coaches that that we talked to at games so um you know it's it's not those things what what looks weird is when that coach asks your coach for hey what were this person's stats and then all of a sudden the ones you sent are different than the one the coach sent it's like to me again red flag of well why doesn't this kid trust their coach that that they're going to keep the best stats they can you know and, and and it's funny that you bring that up i remember i got a scout book um this past september at one of the showcases and you know i i know a lot of players in a lot of age groups and i opened it i'm sifting through it and i know of several players who we're on, we're with new programs and new programs don't know. And they're not going to call the old coach and say, Hey, can you validate this for me? Or can you verify my mistake? And the stats they told their new program were so obscure that you're doing yourself again, a self-sabotaging disservice to do that. Because when you put those huge stats up and then all those coaches, first thing they're going to look, because let's face it, 
stats validate your offensive production. That's all it does. It validates that this person can produce. But when you haven't produced, and then you you tell your new program, or can you put this in the scout program for that showcase, and you say you're a 50-goal scorer, and you didn't see one power play that entire game because your program knows that's not what you are, you're going to look real silly. And, yeah. and yet the families and the prospects will still push for it. They th- it's almost like they think they're going to outsmart the program to get in there. And if you have to outsmart the program, you don't got it from the first start. And you, you yeah, got lo- well, to take okay. a long look in the mirror. Yeah. And it's like trying to say that you're five eleven when you're five foot seven, right? Like um, plat- platform shoes you are though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of boys on, in the draft here do and, that. Yeah. So you know, and again, like it's uh, it, it's about being as honest as you can. And uh, I mean, you know, some people like to know exactly where they're at. There's some kids you ask, well, how, how many goals do you think you had? No idea. You know, and, and so like even kids that I that I work with in individually on, on shooting and scoring will talk about, well, how many goals do you have? Well, I'm not sure. Like, okay, well, you know, is it, are we counting on one hand? Are we counting on two hands? Are we taking our shoes and socks off? Like we're, you know, you, you can kind of ballpark it. And, and so, you know, again, as long as you're in the ballpark and then, hey, you know what? This kid said that I got to take my shoes and socks off to count their goals. And I just watched them play and they, you know, had three or four really good scoring chances and they potted two. Yeah, I believe that. So, um, <coughs> you know, own, own what you are. And, and here, here's, here's how I go about it. If I go to a showcase of any sort, I'll look through the program. Like I said, stats validate the production that you can give, which is what a lot of programs look for. Okay, well, let's do that. I'll put the star. I'll start watching. And then two things can happen. One, either that that player starts to produce and I notice he or she and I'll put a check mark, say, okay, that's, that's obvious. The other one is that they lied about their stats. I'm saying this doesn't add up at all. And someone with much lower stats is outperforming them. And now I'm more interested in that player and my, and my focus changes. I put the line through the name and now I have a star through this other player who I wasn't even considering when I first walked in, but now I want to get to know that much more as I'm walking out. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's true. I think we talked about it last time, like your end of the day, perform, perform on the ice. Do, do what you do and do it well and, you know, be the best player you can be with, with the skill set you have. That's couldn't said it better myself, my friend, Dan, this has been awesome. We're going to have to continue on in this whole process because we have many more things to get micro about the recruiting process. Today's episode was about official and unofficial visits and, uh, We will definitely be pursuing this uh, for you sooner than later to keep this content coming out, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, because we all got more time on our hands. Dan, again, thank you very much for having, uh, for being a part of the show today. Yeah, you bet, buddy. This is Scott McDonald with the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast, signing out.